And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. We're back for a third edition of sex coaching. That's right. Yeah. Sex coaching is an entrepreneurial venture. You hear what has been one of the most popular guests in the history of Start Apostle is back for episode three, 301, as we call it, because this is an education for all of us. Now, before That's we right. get into the welcome back, Today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably, all of which has nothing to do with sex coaching. Back with us today is Kristen Thomas. Kristen is the owner and certified sex coach at Open the Doors Coaching. And as I mentioned, one of the most popular, both sex coaching and sex coaching 201 are some of our most popular and most downloaded episodes in the history of Start Apostle, as well as our YouTube channel. You can learn more about what Kristen does at OpenTheDoorsCoaching.com. Kristen, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, and you know, it's uh, and and congratulations on the ultimate success of. I think you've got. <laughs> I've about, made it. I've officially yeah. made it. You've got about 15,000 podcast downloads between the two episodes, probably. I told you months ago, I was like, hey, this one hit 2,000. It's like, way, wow, we're way past all that. So, I know. Anyway, right? we, yeah. Yeah. So, you, you know, your first appearance was on July 23rd of 2019. You were here a little over a year ago in February. That was prior to COVID. And we've been mm -hmm. kind of tracking the entrepreneurial journey of what it's like to do what you do. So before we get into that, how about you tell us what you do so I don't have to? Sure. Well, again, certified sex coach and clinical sexologist. So that means that I talk to people about really interesting things about relationships, dating, and sex. Uh, I do a little bit of everything with helping singles and couples from on the single side, helping people with their dating profile or just getting their hearts ready for love again. For couples, it's a lot of, you know, opening up communication, talking about fantasy, taking things from like, okay, to much better. I don't usually help people who are on the verge of divorce. That's what therapy's for. But I help people who just realize like, they're not connecting like they used to, or maybe they never have had the connection they really want, but they think that they can grow together. So when you first came on the show in 2019, you were, and we've kind of captured this evolution because you weren't, I didn't think at that point, I think you were seeking the certification. Yes, I was. I was still in school. Uh, I finished that in 2019 and I, it was, it was a great education because it focused on the sexology part, but it also taught us how to be good entrepreneurs and business people uh, because so many people who are solopreneurs whether it's coaches, therapists, um, massage therapists, 
people who are on their own often are really good at their craft. They're just not great business people. So that was something that I really enjoyed about my program. Yeah, we spend a lot of time talking about that. A lot of people kind of accidentally start a business because they're passionate mm -hmm. about something and then they start doing it and they're like, oh shit, I got to actually learn how to run a business. And you, know, you were going through a little bit of that. And by the time we had talked last year, that was beginning to evolve. I mean, you had clearly had a, had a full-time mindset, but you know, just cause we're, we're, and, and once again, if you want to go back and listen to those episodes, they're pretty easy to find in the feed. I'm pretty sure they're the only two titles with the word sex in them. So yes. you should be able to filter those. And if you, and if that isn't enough for you, or you're using something that won't let you search July 23rd of 2019 and, uh, uh, February 13th of 2020. And here we are in 2021. So as a business in all of this, what's changed since the last time you were on the show? Well, I had just signed a lease for my first like solo office. I had been renting at a therapy office or meeting people um, at various locations and co-working spaces that were as private as possible. But I finally signed that lease, moved in into February of last year, and then COVID hit. So I had to switch to all virtual and honestly, I think it's been one of the best things that could happen to my business. I really, I had always wanted clients all over the country and I had a few here and there, but now I truly do have clients from all over. Um, of course, COVID <laughs> made a lot of people see that they needed to do something different. So I have coached people through fixing their relationships as well as walking away from relationships. Um, how do you date through COVID and how do you stay safe? But the thing that I think changed significantly for me is like I had someone approach me for coaching and I told them that I could meet them in person or virtually and their, our schedules didn't really meet up. He wanted later in the evening and, you know, eight, nine o'clock is just a little too late in my book, but his schedule was weird. And um, he said that he didn't want to pay me for a virtual session because he didn't think I was worth that much to just talk to through a computer screen. Well, now I have the confidence to say that my skill level is the same regardless of whether you see me in person or virtually. So I think that block for myself as well as for other people has been removed. So that's been big. So the last time we were on the show, we were talking about the difference between like the certification and like how and when that matters. And you, mm -hmm. I believe you were telling me that that gave you a, the ability to reach a broader amount of people because I think you could take insurance and stuff like that perhaps, or maybe you couldn't, I can't. Yeah. Coaches can't take insurance, but I think just the idea of, I went from billing myself, not billing, but calling myself a relationship dating and sex coach to certified sex coach and clinical sexologist because I, the clinical sexologist part is like, I see people in an office setting. You know, I'm not just um, an educator or a journalist, things like that. Um, I'm actually seeing clients. And the certification part, I think that I don't know for sure if people have said like, oh, okay, she's legit. You know, no one has actually reached out and said, I had thought about reaching out to you before, but now that I see you're certified, uh, I'm, I'm willing to, you know, take a bet on you. Um, but between COVID referrals, I really think it was my referral network and getting the certification. I also built up my podcast a lot over the last year and a half, almost two years now I've been doing my podcast. Uh, I think those things just all culminated and things have really taken off since our last conversation. That's for sure. 
so you're you're at the point now where you are scaling a business and growing it and as you mentioned as a solopreneur um that one of the things is there's limits to scaling it so how do you go about doing that like what's the approach with trying to okay so now you got your you got your heels in the sand you got the forward push. You got some people that say dumb shit like, oh, well, you're not as worth as much virtually as you are in person. Why? I don't know why you wouldn't be. Um, how do you begin to like with what you do? How do you scale that business? Or is it just about maximizing your own time and maybe raising your prices? A little bit of the latter, maximizing my time and raising my prices. I did raise my prices once before. I'm considering doing it again. Uh, I also have some different offerings, um, but I'm I'm also working like an invention in a book. So I'm splitting my time through, and I've got the podcast. I'm splitting my time with a lot of things. Uh, I started doing virtual workshops. That was something that's been a nice addition to my revenue stream. Um, basically using Facebook's payment platform like that. Uh, I think finding the right tools right now has been the biggest thing in helping me scale and, and get the help that I need. Um, realizing that I'm not great with accounting and doing the book side and finally paying somebody to be my bookkeeper, uh, you know, taking things off of my plate that I know that I've got the revenue coming in now to pay somebody to do these things. It takes me twice as long. <laughs> so let me just offload things. That's That's been a part of it as well. Um, so the, the, through the addition of things like a group workshop, you expand, that is, makes you a little more scalable. It gives you the ability to maybe talk to eight people as opposed to one, um, mm -hmm. obviously having other products and things that you can offer and sell. Hey, here's a book as someone who's written three books. I know that books are hard to sell. They can yeah. be, uh, it depends on who you are and what you're doing, you know, like, and if you have. I would assume that with a workshop, you might be able to sell the workshop, sell the books that go with it and sell a lot of other stuff. Um, have, did you finish the book yet? Not yet. I'm still in the process of interviewing people. Um, it's about relationships and dating in the United States and some of the influences that we get. So I'm still working through um, finding people to interview for the book because it's. I'm trying to not just make it about my experience, although my experience and how I was raised and the attitudes around dating and relationships that were imparted on me, I found were really, really common as I started talking to clients. So this book is intended to kind of gather information from people out there who have had similar experiences, but also find out how they overcame these things. So it's, I'm trying to not make it just anecdotal. I'm trying to make it solution-based, but working through at this point, doing interviews, kind of coding that information, going back out and doing a second set of interviews and doing surveys. Uh, I'm looking to partner with um, probably a licensed psychologist or a professor and actually do a small study to go along with it. So I, I'm trying to not just make it a how-to book, I'm trying to not just make it about here's my experiences and here's how I did the thing and you can do it too. I'm trying to make it a little bit broader than that. But I also enlisted the help of a writing coach to help me with that. I need somebody for accountability. So I'm about to start sessions with her and have like deadlines. That's the big thing. As a solopreneur, I'm not great at setting deadlines for myself. 
So writing's writing's hard. Writing books is tough, you know. And and the thing is, is like you kind of learn as an entrepreneur. Then if you are an author, you're an entrepreneur, right? Because you're putting your time and effort and and money into something. Mm-hmm. And I had the same editor on all three of my books. And, and his name's Patrick Price. You can go to askabookeditor.com. He was actually inspired by writing the books. And I kept telling him, I'm like, dude, you should start your own business. And he finally did and does really well. But, you know, the problem with writing is it's very difficult to schedule it. You know, at least for me, it's like, so because as an entrepreneur, you're like, oh, I got to put blocks of time. I got to do this. I got to do that. It's for me, it was very difficult to just be like, I'm going to write from three to five today. Um, I mean, it's easy to say it. It's harder to do it. And, you know, but as far as like as writing a book and building a brand, I mean, I would think that that would be the like a a logical step, like we mentioned in scaling. Mm -hmm. Uh, can get your uh, get your name out there. And I think overall, it's like you mentioned, like with the certification, there's a level of street cred that mm-hmm. comes with authorship. And and it has to be like a real book, people, not like your 12 page ebook that's free on Amazon. Right. You know, it's got to be like a real book that is a couple hundred pages or something like that, which which is hard to do. It's uh, you you will realize you go from subject matter expert to someone looking for something to say in a, in a hurry, in a hurry, especially when you get an editor in their hands. They're like, yeah, you need about half of this. And you're like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> you're like, oh, my God, I'm not an edit. But next thing you get it back and it's got multiple red lines through it. OK, so at, you mentioned as the business evolves or has been evolving and you're learning, I think it's smart. You're learning how to what you're good at and what you're not good at. Um, you know, with, with getting an office and then all of a sudden not being able to use it, did that put a dent in anything? Well, I mean, I, I used it occasionally. There were some clients that just didn't have privacy and I knew, or they at least reported that they were being safe. They weren't out in public. So I saw people sporadically. So I mean, I kept the office, but I mean, of course it made me feel like I have this outgoing expenditure Plus I'm paying for furniture that I got for it. And, and I'm not really utilizing it fully. Um, you know, if, if being in my office, could it get me more clients because it's a physical location and there's people in and out there. Um, it's at Arbor Vitae. So there's, it's a yoga studio. There's other, you know, wellness practitioners there, you know, just maybe had I been in the office, could have gotten more exposure perhaps. Um, but man, that referral network, whew, that saved me this last year for sure well tell me more about that because like i said we're we're covering the entrepreneurship of building this business and Mm -hmm. like is that is that is that the strongest form of marketing the referral network for for me it has been because also i mean as you can imagine as a sex coach advertising is a challenge um slide james let's let's talk about let's talk about why let's talk about why well, like Sly James once said to me, you should just get a billboard. And I'm like, I think I'd get the wrong kind of phone calls at 3 a.m. And he was like, <laughs> you're probably right. I mean, there's also FOSTA-SESTA, which is a, legis- a piece of legislation that was passed a few years ago to help prevent internet trafficking, um, sex trafficking, human trafficking. And it was so broad, it made internet service providers responsible for user-generated content it shut down Craigslist and Backpage and several other websites changed their policies. It's also what's increased censorship on 
platforms like Facebook and Instagram specifically, uh, people like myself and other people sort of ancillarily in the industry, I'll say sex workers, burlesque dancers, fine art nude models, boudoir photographers, all of us are struggling with things like shadow banning, um, whether it's hashtags that we had used. Like, Actually, I've, I've been on TikTok a lot lately. The hashtag sex education has been shadow banned. Um, Let's talk about what that even is. TikTok? What a well, no, or what a shadow ban is. I know what, I know I what like, TikTok, TikTok is. Really? Come, Come on. on. Yeah, you're all Yeah, I, hey, I'm old, but I'm uh, not I mean, that like, old. I didn't know if you were doing the whole, like, our user or listeners might not know this. Uh, shadow no, I'm pretty is... sure they know what TikTok is. Okay, good. All right. Yeah. Shadow banning is uh, when the platforms pick out, say, a hashtag or keywords or phrases, and they basically ban it without banning it. You don't get any notifications saying that your stuff's been taken down. It's part of the, like decreasing your visibility through the algorithm. They just don't show your stuff to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a, and, and Craigslist and other classified places, they'll call it ghosting a whole mm-hmm. lot of other things. And you know, the, the, for those of you listening, there's so many with TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, really any of these platforms the the number of accounts and people in them is just, it's unmanageable, you know? Mm-hmm. So they build machine learning and AI algorithms that go through and make determinations. And I, you know, I'm actually dealing with it to tell you how broad and lame some of that is. I'm actually dealing with that right now today with startup hustle. Because sometimes they don't like the language that's in uh, some of our ads and they confuse us with multi-level marketing, which is not something you're allowed to uh, advertise for. Never really had a problem with it until recently. Mm -hmm. Uh, They just like occasionally would disapprove one of our ads. And then on Friday, and we're recording this on a Monday, but then on Friday, I got a I got a notification that said that your, uh, your ability to place ads is revoked. So, yeah, and I and it said because I'm publishing fake news or multi-level marketing stuff. And I'm like, what the fuck is this about now? Anytime any of those ads have been not approved, if I appeal them, they reverse them. But I quit. I quit going. Like, yeah, it's a it's annoying. But then I quit. I quit doing it. So I think actually what happened was I accumulated enough rejected ads that I pissed off the algorithm enough. And now I have to go find a person to go fix it. But these mm. things are real. So, you know, uh, before we hit record, we were talking about Startup Hustle TV, which is the uh, which is the the new video version. And thanks for watching. I appreciate you watching. Um, of course. And, you know, and one of the big the thing, our, our cast members, uh, two of them are from Casey Hempco. And my God, do they have a lot of problems with marketing their business. And that's part of what I, you know, I thought would be interesting because the sex, the sex nature of things and, Mm -hmm. and my God, there's just uh, any, anybody can find anything appropriate at just about any time and enough people clicking that or reporting it and you run into a bunch of problems. So, so with that, has that, has that, I mean, is that, because I, I see you on social media and I remember you complaining about the shadow ban. I can't remember I mean, where it was, but. Even right now, I'm running a Facebook ad to increase visibility and get 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 the likes, you know. Um, we're having to do like the, the one wide net Facebook ad right now. And 
my guy, I talked to him last week, my marketing guy, and he said that he had to change the ad like three or four times. Finally just gave up and took out the word sex and just says like intimacy, relationships, and dating. Like we use the word intimacy a lot to get past them. And he also couldn't put up like this really cool graphic he'd done. He had to just do a um, basically graphic of my logo, which is very, you know, cute and innocuous. You know, it's just three little birds. But just you can talk about anything negative about sex. You can talk about assault, all those things. But you can't say anything about pleasure. You can't just talk about intimacy and say the word sex. We're all grown-ups. We all have we're all here because of sex. Can't we just use the word sex? <laughs> Maybe. We can on this show. So we want Good. shadow ban you. There you go. But no, I mean the struggle is real. And you know, you're talking about mm-hmm. building a business. And anytime you have interference with things that are mainstream advertising platforms. And then another thing too is it sounds like you're kind of pushed into I mean, I, you're talking about doing your ads, and I'm sitting here thinking, like, how do you target these? You know, because like for yeah. Startup Hustle, I can target our ads to entrepreneurs or people that are that are interested in entrepreneur stuff like mm-hmm. startups or business accelerators or even like the profit Marcus Lemonis or Gary Vaynerchuk or like any of these people. But how do you go about targeting that for your business or can you? Yeah, uh, the like, for instance, this Facebook campaign that we're in right now, it's, it's again, casting the wide net just to see who might be interested in something that, you know, talks about intimacy, dating relationships, and it's just trying to get them to follow the page. And we're looking at it and it's like, no one basically between 18 and 25 <laughs> is clicking on the ad. And then as we were looking at the numbers, it's, it's heavily female, uh, but you can't, you know, he was also talking about some of the things we cannot do anymore for Facebook ads because of profiling, which I totally understand. So what we're having to do is capture who will like it just on their own right now. And then we'll create sort of a, Retarget. a mirror a mirror of this. Um, you know, we yeah. try to find the same kinds of people out there on Facebook. So I guess using all that data. So I'm just, I am yeah, kind of over Facebook though as a advertising platform for my business. I, yeah, it's tough. To and you know, that, that's stuff. the thing is, I mean, but, but then you get into for certain businesses, you get into like where, you know, it's like, and I, I can come up with your business. I can maybe even come up with more places to promote it than I can with mine. I mean, you know, and I mean, I and I don't mean startup hustle. I mean, I mean, I mean, full scale, like, mm-hmm. where am I going to, what am I going to do at fucking advertise full scale on Pinterest? Like, Hey, if you need software developers come, you know, no, it's like, Mm -hmm. so you get LinkedIn Mm -hmm. and then Facebook and and, and, and then, and then Facebook is okay. And then Instagram's not, not, never had much success there Mm because you can't do certain things. So, I mean, when when you talk about it, powerful for me, um, I would think for yours, it would be, but that's also why getting, that's also why getting kicked off of it is a pretty bad thing. That's the yeah. thing. It was so good at first. And then I was like, oh, well, now Instagram's starting to really pick up. And then I lost my first Instagram page and I had to start over. And I've never, I've, I've reached, I have reached as many followers, but I'm not getting the engagement that I once did. Yeah. Um, so like, even when I look at the numbers, and I say, yeah, while over the course of my business, these two platforms have thus far brought me the most business. 
it's you know dipping so far down that it's between the referral network, the podcast, and I'm just trying everything I can lately to get out there on the diff different platforms like Clubhouse and TikTok. Just started those. Uh, TikTok's been fun. Already got a video, get almost a hundred thousand views, and I only have ten Ooh. videos out. So. There you go. And they don't seem to care whether I've got makeup on or I've got my hair done. Nothing. <laughs> they just want the advice. It'll already be out by the time this comes out. But episode 7.0 of uh, Startup Hustle TV is, about, is titled Entrepreneurs Creating Content or How Entrepreneurs Create Content. And it's all of us talking about the different things that we do for our business. And, you know, mm -hmm. despite all of the social medias, all the different stuff, for us, it still goes back to like the OG blog. It's the blog. Like that's for me, that's where it started in 2009. Uh -huh. And it is like, hasn't changed that much. It's still the staple of, I mean, the podcast has been great. The web series is great, but you know, we look at these things and, you know, I had someone on that recently that was a, a bit of an expert at this stuff and they were really, he was really so high up on owned media, meaning media that you own it. And mm -hmm. when it's on your own site and your own platform, you own it. And he's like, Matt, you don't even own your podcast. He said, you do on some level, but if Apple podcasts wants to take you off, what are you going to do? And then for mm -hmm. us, that's where 90% of our listeners are. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So what are you going to do to own your own media own your own business? It sounds like you're doing some of that. So, Okay, so let's let's change pace here a little bit and let's talk about like with what you do and how that applies to like entrepreneurship. Cuz entrepreneurship will suck every bit of oxygen out of the rest of your life on many days. Is it fair to say that? Yeah, very much so. It's just the spinning plates analogy and you know, that whole thing of like, how do you do it all? Like, I don't do it all. I fuck up sometimes. I forget things. I, I miss things. Uh, I have to sometimes say I'm sorry and ask for help or reschedule things. It, it's not like rescheduling with clients, but you know, maybe if I'm just way too busy and I don't have time to record a podcast, I need to push off for a couple of days. Um, I think it's also just giving myself some grace that I don't have all the answers and learning where I can go find them and having built up the network of fellow entrepreneurs, especially like innovate her and having that group to turn to having people I can direct message also finding guests for my show. That's a great spot for it too. But I just, I don't, I don't think anybody out there can do everything despite what they think. And yeah, the, the spinning plates is all I could think about. You just got to keep, keep things going. <laughs> I use the plate spinning analogy a lot. Sometimes the plates hit the ground and then you just have to decide whether you want to glue them back together and put them back on the stick again. For those of you that are too young to know what the hell we're talking about, they used to have these guys, you'd see them, they, you'd occasionally get them at like the halftime show of a basketball game or something. They have these poles, they put a plate on top of it and give it a whirl. And they'll do that for a whole bunch. And they have to run around and keep spinning them. But that plate spinning analogy and entrepreneurship uh, uh, has a lot to do with stuff. I, you know, the pandemic's taught me quite a bit myself uh, because, well, you know, and, and that's what I want to talk about next. But, you know, when you're suddenly trapped in your home 
with your family and your business and everything mm-hmm. for a year. Uh, I mean, I learned a lot of stuff. I mean, my family's closer than they've ever been. You know, like my kids are like, okay. I mean, they're best friends, mainly out of necessity because <laughs> those those were their options. But did you run into a lot of change within your client base or like a lot, an increased general need? Because what I was reading a year ago was like, Oh, get get ready, people, because you're going to either end up with a lot of people that have more babies coming or they're going to the divorce rate is going to spike. Well, both happened, actually. <clears throat> yeah. um, I have talked to a few divorce attorneys and business was very good in 2020. Uh, also, from the client side, I've had people come to me who are post-divorce who have said, my partner left me about a month and a half in to the pandemic. I've had other guests on my podcast who also their marriages ended in 2020. There was just something that happened that being together full time really made people assess like what they weren't facing before that, both with their businesses and with their relationships. It's been, I think an interesting journey for a lot of people. I think it's been eye opening. And again, whether it's what I did see change in my client base was a lot of couples coming to us saying, we don't want a divorce, but we want a way better sexual relationship. Um, and then my singles weren't people who were trying to get out to date anymore. There's some, yes. Um, but they were mostly people who were, Hey, I just got a divorce or I'm about to get a divorce and I don't know what I'm doing here. When it comes to entrepreneurship and the pandemic, I mean, for for some of us, it's like all of a sudden, you know, we went from like, I, well, I almost got trapped in the Philippines. You know, I went over mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. this, uh, I was, we're recording this. I'm, I don't like to date recordings, but it's March 15th today. And on March 15th, that was a significant day in the timeline of Matt DeCourcy, because I had on March 15th of, of 2020, I started my day on the other side of the world, calling my wife and saying, I have to stay here longer. Not like I have to come home early, but I actually, it may have been the day before. It may have been the 14th, but I had to address my entire company that day. And I didn't feel like I could sit there and talk to close to 200 people and hey we're gonna we're gonna figure this out and then get on a jet plane and fly back over to you know the us so Mm -hmm. i remember how emotional that was for me and it was very challenging because you know for us we had worked so hard and put so much money time effort all of it uh travel like that's grueling i mean you know Mm -hmm. being away from your family from weeks at a time people like oh you must love traveling the world like no, I fucking don't. I would prefer to be home. Yeah. I would prefer to be around my wife and my kids and my life. I like going over and visiting stuff. And then, you know, I, I extended my trip and then almost didn't get a flight out. And mm-hmm. I remember the uncertainty of coming back and like not having a freaking clue yeah. about what was going to happen. And, you know, we had, to, we probably from, I ended up getting back on the 20th of March and, uh, you know, like, and it was a basically 10 days of contingency planning Mm -hmm. at that point. And, you know, and that makes it it, now, fortunately, and I think when it comes to relationships and entrepreneurship, you got to find a partner that's, that'll put up with your shit or ain't going to work, you know, and, and my wife will. I push back on the put up with your shit. Yeah. 
I'll push back on the phrase Do you? put up with your shit. Yes, because okay. Okay. it's not that she's just putting up with that's that's like tolerating. Like toleration is not. She actually loves and embraces all of this. Like she knew what she was getting into because she worked for you. Like she knew yep, what you're gonna have me. an entrepreneur with. And she's in it. Yeah. You know, like she doesn't put up with you. She's in it to win it with you. Oh yeah. And you know, well, but I say that when I say put up with it, so I'll give you, so here you go. So before I, I, I had been married once before I was my mm-hmm. second lap. I've been married to two women named Jill, which is really confusing for people that haven't visited me in person in 15 years. Uh, <laughs> Cause they look a lot different. And um, you know, and so anyway that, you know, when I went to get remarried, I said, Hey, look, you know, let's talk about this for a minute because I, you know, I turned 46 this year and I <laughs> there's very little chance that I'm going to change a whole lot. I, I, the circuitry is burnt in at this point, you know, like as, as Popeye says, I am who I am. And uh, it's true. It's true. Yeah. But, and I said, and I said, you know, like, Hey, look, like, I, cause I'm just kind of obsessive about stuff. And that's where I think entrepreneurship and relationships can, can be challenging. Cause you know, I mean, my wife likes, she likes to have her own space and time. But I mean, mm-hmm. she's downstairs in my house right now running an elementary school, basically. Yeah. And, you know, but but there's a, there's a lot of, you know, you putting up, you are putting up with it to some degree, but it's an under, it's a mature understanding that the business and entrepreneurship support what we do. Yeah. And if those, and also I, at this point, I'm probably unemployable. <laughs> I mean, on many levels, I'd be a terrible employee. I'd be I've terrible. said that about myself I mean, too. That's why I had to become an entrepreneur. Well, you do. Like it's well, I didn't have to, but once I had turned that corner and done it for a long time, I mean, I'm sure I could go get a great job. I'm just not sure how into it I'd be on Sundays, you know. And it's like uh, that that level of investment. But yeah, I remember that. You know, back to that call, and it was like, you know what? I understand. I get it. Mm-hmm. And because there was a level of empathy that thought about like, what do all these other people like 200 employees, it's 200 families. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most of my employees do have families. And, you know, you t- if you, you begin to take that stress and that anxiety and you run it downstream. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what I think was, I, I can imagine was probably difficult for a lot of people when it comes to relationships, because our personalities do not show their best side. Mm-hmm. when we're stressed or when we're tired or when we think we're too busy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, was that, was that happening partner, in the world? <laughs> your partner has got to understand that they are going to sometimes see your worst and still look at that person and be like, you're kind of a pain in the ass, but I still love you. You know, that's uh, uh, that's an understatement with me. <laughs> Yeah. My partner's been great. Uh, We actually, um, we had dated in 2019. We call that part one. And then we went out for coffee last year on March 8th, like right before the shutdown. And have pretty much been together ever since. And he also left corporate life, got laid off in May from his software developer position and has been day trading. And the thing that he has needed the most over this last year was that partner in his life who believed in him and who understood that some days were going to be great and other days were going to be boring and that some days he would just needed to like sit there and read or, or watch videos and learn 
And sometimes he needed to bounce things off of me so that he understood things. And then he provided me that space for stuff I needed to do too. And that that reciprocity that we have with each other, I think, has helped us both thrive as well. I mean, he's finally understanding, like, he is an entrepreneur, you know. He is just day trading, but he is a business for himself. And I think it's been interesting helping him on his journey through this last year of understanding that, wow, that feeling I had on Sunday nights that those Sunday scaries were because I hated my job. You know, that there were so many things that he was participating in that were just because society told him that's what he needed to do. He needed to, needed to have the job so he'd have the insurance and the benefits. But all that money went to the car and then the car insurance and the gas and the clothes and all the things that kept him in the job. And he was just tired of that hamster wheel. I think that's also something that's changed for a lot of people this year too, is their understanding that the way they participate in society or capitalism or, you know, are they a cog on a wheel or are they wanting to do something different? Um, that's, I think I've seen a lot of shifts for people in those areas this last year too. I think I mainly started my first business so I could wear shorts and t-shirts and flip-flops to work. <laughs> that was some of the main motivation. Maybe if that's it's what's like- important to you then yeah, then you got to find a way. It wasn't that important, but I just felt better once I realized I could show up every day like that. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, that's in 2008, 2009. But, you know, and and now it's kind of funny because in the in the world I live in, well, I remember I hired a new sales guy last year and he's like, what do I need to wear to work? I'm like, not a tie. Don't show up (laughs) in the world of tech being the guy with the tie on. People will be like, who the fuck's this guy with the tie on? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's not always the greatest thing. Okay. So you've made a lot of strides forward. We got a little, we got, we took a little detour there talking about a few things, but that's okay. Cause I think, I, I think it's important for listeners and people, you know, we do these episodes. I, I think that they're good. And I think the reason they've been popular is because people are interested in all forms of entrepreneurship that listen to the show and like your business is no different than, I mean, like you mentioned, there was a lot of ists therapists, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, my dad was an attorney mm-hmm. and I watched him for 35 years, make a living for himself. And, you know, he wasn't an employee at a firm. He was uh, employing himself. Mm-hmm. What's the toughest part about that self-employment, everything when it comes to your business? Oh gosh. I think feeling like you're alone. Uh, you know, if you're a veterinarian, you're an attorney, You've got some associations around you. You might like go to your meetings or things like that. I don't know. For us, there's just so few sexologists out there. Um, We sort of just know each other on the internet. So you have to really be intentional to build community. It doesn't just fall into your lap. And it's really easy to feel alone, especially when you're like shaking your computer screen because your your ad or your post just got taken down and so many of us are bootstrapping everything too. So we don't, we don't have people like I, I committed to paying a marketing guy. That was one of my first things that I did. Yeah. It's sometimes been out of my budget. It's been a stretch, but I'm glad that I'm doing it. A lot of us don't have that. So that lack of community for people in my industry, um, especially just, I can't just go to a networking event and have two or three people that do what I do there. You know, you've, you've got some sort of community for yourself when you go out, whether it's you've got fellow CEOs or startup founders, you've got people who are in tech. I don't have much of that. 
So when, when you are in an industry where you really walk in and you're the only one in the room, that can be tough. You know, we've talked about that on, on recent shows that being an entrepreneur and being a founder is actually on many days pretty lonely. Um, and even though there are people that do similar things to you, they kind of don't, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I mean, just because someone's in tech doesn't mean that it's like the same kind, you know, mm -hmm. or whatever. And then uh, the more successful you become, the, the even lonelier it gets because you get weird. You get it's weird because you have to learn to understand what someone's intentions are without being like state why you're here. Cause that freaks people out. You know, you can't be like, why are you reaching out? Do you just want stuff from me? And mm -hmm. uh, you know, like so when, when Matt Watson and I uh, became friends, you know, and Matt's, you know, my often co-host on the show and I know, you know, Matt and, um, you know, part of what I, when I've been hanging out with him for a little bit, he goes, you know, I like hanging out with you, man. Cause I can tell you don't want something from me. Now Matt sold his first company for 150 million bucks. So think about what your reality is like when you have a fucking Wikipedia page about how much money you made. I'm yeah. just saying, you know, like, so, you know, it's like with people constantly asking you things or wanting you wanting stuff from you that you, it's easy to kind of clam up. And you kind of build this like, I mean, or cocoon or shell around yourself. You want to insulate mm -hmm. yourself from like, I mean, a zillion different things. And I, I got to be honest with you. One of the things about the pandemic that's been kind of nice in that regard for me is like, I don't know if I want to go back to networking events again. I don't know if I care. I used to go to so many of them and then we even started our own. You know, and I liked those because I had a little more control and there was only, you know, we did them at Sweet and Greet. So we and we'll mm -hmm. open our local venue up again and we'll do that again, probably more like next year. But, you know, with that, it's, you know, it's 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 tiresome, uh, you know, and then the thing is, is a lot of those things occur after five. Mm -hmm. and now you're cutting into other things. So, you know, like. It's easy now. I can re we can reposition when our kids are doing their school or whatever, but we won't be able to do that in the mm -hmm. fall, assuming kids go back to school. And I mean, we're fully expecting that they will. So, yeah. all right. So yeah, that's one thing I don't necessarily miss is all the networking events. Some I do miss. Uh, I really do miss the LGBT chamber, but there were a lot of things that I went to for the possibility of meeting somebody. And a lot of times it ended up being, which I, I do like, seeing people in the community that I know, but it ended up being just a little bit of just catching up with folks. But maybe there was something to be said about having that consistent touch base with those people, whether it was at 1 million cups or, um, you know, start, start at startland doing things. If you see those people over and over again, you are always front of mind. So then people think of you when then someone's like, Oh, well we need this. So, I see the value in it, but man, I was definitely getting burned out on it. When I realized that the pandemic made me stop living and dying by my calendar because of three, four, five, sometimes seven events I had a week, that was one of the my favorite changes that the pandemic made for me, for sure. I would imagine that it's way, even way worse for you. So, you know, prior to the pandemic, and, it, and this is the, you know, this is when our listenership was a third of the size it is now, anytime I would go anywhere, it's like all anybody wanted to talk about was this podcast. And I love, I have, I developed a real love hate with that. Like, I mean, for real, cause 
like the podcast is like something I do for like an hour, three times a week, you know, and then I have a real job with a couple hundred employees and service of work with do like a lot of like really big stuff. And I was like, fuck, I don't want to just be the startup hustle guy. Like, that's yeah, not really like how I to the tech stuff. They can relate to you being like the entrepreneur. They can relate to you having conversations with people. Or they they can, but it guests. was, it, but that, those weren't the conversations. It was yeah. just more like, and you know what? Here's the thing is, and I don't want to complain it like about how it. How to start a podcast? It was just the volume of it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, and it's the, you know, and I would imagine that's the same for you, but even more because people find out, oh, well, you're a sex coach. Well, what does that mean? You know, and then there's just like, 180 questions and you know and next thing you know it's like three hours through the night or the whatever this event was or how however it was and you're like shit i just had the same fucking conversation 20 times and it can kind of suck you in you know so i've I've developed i've developed this catch and release mechanism you know it's like i can get through it real quick i can you know kind of what i catch it and move on i started treating it like i was doing a stand-up comedy routine (laughs) Because I get the same, I do get the same questions over and over again. And I, you know, when you get asked some of the questions I get asked, I I can't just answer them straightforwardly. I have to throw a little humor in there. So uh, once I started developing such such as, such as, (sighs) okay, well, Biggest one, which I just did a TikTok video about, is if you're a sex. She sighed and rolled her eyes. She she sighed and rolled her eyes, knowing what she had gotten herself into there, people. Yeah, yeah. Repeat, repeat that again. So I get asked often. So if you're a sex coach, does that mean you're good in bed? To which I say, well, absolutely. But my job is to make you good in bed. Because what am I mean? What am I supposed to say to that? And. I got asked that question the first time at an in-person networking event with the KC Chamber. Nice. Like thousands of people in this room because it was the small business celebration. And I had a group of like 10 or 15 people in this circle as I'm handing out my cards. And it was a woman. She was like, whoa. And she asked, I was like, well, yes, but that's not really the point. My job's to make you good in bed. And my friends were like, wow, have you been asked that before? I was like, no, like that was a great response. I'm like, cool. I just need to work on my stand-up routine here then. So once I started treating it like that, it made it a little easier to handle. But sometimes I walk away from conversations in the past like, oh, my God. It's like they had no filter and they realized they didn't even realize anybody was around and heard that. But that's on them. Mine were never that were never that topical. You know, it was I I don't know. But yeah, and I don't want to complain, though. And here's the thing. I'm really like in the end, you know, it's like I just said it was tiresome. I'm not necessarily complaining. And then. God forbid you start your own TV show because now I'm going to go back out in public and people are going to want to talk about that, which, which was fun and interesting. It's a lot of, it's a lot of work. I know that much on some days, some days you just want to like, you go take a nap. Okay. So what, what, what is it? What's next? What's next for your business? What does the future hold? And, you know, like, well, let's hold you accountable here. When do you think (laughs) you will say that you've completed your book? Okay, so the goal with the book is to be finished by the end of the year. Okay. Uh, I also, again, have an invention that I'm working on. And I am currently in the process of figuring out how to actually finish the prototype, trying to get out there and network and find somebody to help me actually finish. It's a, it's a physical product um, for sexuality educators. And 
I've, I've had some meetings about like, what am I supposed to be doing for the patent? And I've talked to a pattern maker and some other things. So I hope to also have that done by the end of 2020, uh, 21. Oh my God, we're in 2021, aren't we? Um, yes, we I are. Have, I want to have both of those done by the end of the year. As far as my, uh, my practice, I'm, I'm actually getting to the point where I'm starting to reach capacity with clients. Um, although, you know, clients are not supposed to see me long-term. It really is supposed to be shorter term, very often goal oriented. So I'll have clients kind of graduate. Um, but yeah, it's nice to say that I'm getting to the point where my books are full. Um, and at that point it's, it's doing consistent workshops. I've, I've done a few workshops to try out the content and see what sticks. What are people resonating with? What are they actually registering for and how much are they paying for it? So now, now that I've experimented with that a little bit, I'm looking to probably have bi-weekly online workshops rotating topics. I'm not looking to do any like a filmed class or anything that they take online. I want them to be, you know, it's we're here online and, and we're interacting and I'm showing you things and you can ask questions. So that's that's been a lot of fun, but it's I don't like myself. I don't like video. I don't like recording things because we didn't have like a video camera in my house when I was a kid. So I think that created a little aversion to it. But I did a workshop to clear blocks and all of a sudden I feel like, okay, cool. I can do this video thing. So I, like I say, hopped on TikTok and I've been doing well with it. I, I am also <clears throat> really hoping that the podcast will take off this year as far as getting out of the region guests. I've done a really good job during the pandemic of finding people across the country um, I just like the exposure for knowledge, but of course, then when they're out there in their region and they're promoting the show and things like that, it'll pick me up clients. So I really want to broaden my reach for my client base this year too. Well, I think that's all smart because, you know, like I said, when you're that solopreneur and especially, and I mean, we can call a therapist, a service provider, you know, you, your bandwidth is however much time you're willing you have available and however much time you put into it and one of the things that becomes challenging at that point is when you the business grows you have to do other things or find other people to do it and you can get the point the, the point of diminishing returns mm -hmm. so it sounds like you're on the right track with a lot of things you know in in our episode uh, upcoming startup hustle tv episode about content you've got well, one of our cast members, I know you watch the show, you see the Perkins brothers and they're, mm -hmm. they're builders. And these guys have, you know, close to 300,000 subscribers on YouTube. And all Eric talks about is how much work the YouTube is, you know, and it's like, and that's the thing. It's like, uh, I mean, he, if you read into that and watch, he'll talk about how he had, uh, you know, literally a hundred videos published before anyone was really paying attention. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the hard part about building an audience and, and building yeah. it up. And it is truly a, it's like a triathlon. It's not even a marathon. A marathon is too short. And a triathlon is a great impression because you got to be good at like three different things. You got to pick exactly. the right things. You got to hope you don't get injured, that you still care, find the time to train, try, I don't know, you got to do a lot of different stuff. So, all right. Spend so your we energy end, appropriately. Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. the hard, that's the hard part sometimes is, you know, it's the self-discipline. I think as an entrepreneur, it's a good point. I'm glad you mentioned that as an entrepreneur, probably what's, what's helped me be successful over the years is a level of self-discipline. And as an entrepreneur, that means, well, really kind of anyone that's doing the things that you need to do at the times you want to do them the least mm -hmm. to pretty, pretty 
basic vanilla description of what, and if you are not self-disciplined as a business owner or any of that, a content creator, all of it, game over. You're done. Because the easier thing is to not do anything at all. And without a doubt, all day, every day, that wins. Uh, Now, speaking of winning, you know, we end episodes of Startup Hustle, or at least my episodes of Startup Hustle, with what we call the Founders Freestyle. I say my episodes because I am not the only host of the show, people. That's right. That happened a long time ago. Tune in on Tuesdays to learn more about e-commerce and Amazon from my fellow co-host and co-cast member on Startup Hustle TV, Andrew Morgans, and tune in Thursdays for the founder of Innovate Her. I believe you're a member of that organization, Kristen. Yes, good friends with her. Lauren's like one of my heroes in life. And, you know, I tell her that she's like, no, I'm not. I'm like, yes, you really are. I don't know how you do all the shit that you do. I would have quit a long time ago because it's hard. Uh, Tune in on Thursdays to listen to Lauren talk about all that. If you haven't had enough Startup Hustle at that point, go over to YouTube and in search, just type in Startup Hustle and you will win. You will find the web series that we launched and look at all you can watch all of the trials and tribulations of a show that is about startups where the show itself is a startup. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like like I mentioned, Founders Freestyle. What let's let me let me position one for you here. What's okay. the best advice, you, relationship advice you could give a startup founder? How about that? This could go any 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 a number of any different directions here, people. Yeah. So brace yourself. I'm going to actually steal this one from Rebecca Goobles over at the Small Business Development Center. She said that it's really imperative that couples talk about sort of what what is the stopping point when you enter this entrepreneurial journey. You have to know what failure means. And is is failure just we've drained our savings account? Is it we've maxed out our credit cards? Is it we can't pay the mortgage and we're about to lose the house? Like, where are you willing to go? And you've got to set some boundaries at the beginning of the journey about what does failure look like? How far are you willing to go? And be clear about where that stopping point is and communicate where you are on that path. Because if if your spouse and you have decided that you're okay going $50,000 in credit card debt because you know that this is going to work out because this, and you've got your plan, you've got your financial plan, you've got all the puzzle pieces, but you end up going to like 55. If your partner's like, okay, we've got some wiggle room versus like, no, that five grand is, is off limits. Like you need to have these conversations about this stuff. And you didn't, you need to know when to pull the plug. If you need to pull the plug, cause not all of these ventures will work out. And that's true. Uh, I think as an entrepreneur, if you are in it's at, at a couple points, so, you know, we were talking earlier about reading books and I like to play a game and you, you know, what's, what's the name of your autobiography today? Right. Like, and, and often as an entrepreneur, like I, maybe the best answer I ever had was brokest rich dude. I know. Um, <laughs> Cause because it's, it's, it happens, you know, and I mean, it does happen. And, you know, it's all at different scale. And sometimes, you know, people like they, I had people that said to me last year that, oh, well, full scale, you have a couple hundred employees, you have millions of dollars a year in revenue. I'm like, exactly. 
exactly. That's what I have to support if the revenue's gone. And they're like, oh, wow, I didn't really think about that. So like you mm -hmm. can be on the complete, it's all about whatever scale you're at. And I think overall, like I mentioned earlier, and maybe I will rephrase or position it. I think that, that, that successful entrepreneurs are successful with their partner's ability to understand what they do and how they do it. And, mm -hmm. you know, like here, here in the DeCourcy household, that's often a, a very blind trust and faith and, and purchase of stock in what we're doing. <laughs> and like, if you talk to me and I will really tell you that I really do believe that things always work out for me because they do, but I figure out how the fuck to make them work out, you know, and like that could go wildly wrong at some point, <laughs> but I have confidence in the fact that I'm good at making money and I always mm -hmm. have been. So I, I, that kind of holds that position up for me. And if you don't have that feeling about yourself as an entrepreneur, I think you might struggle because it's scary. It's lonely. It's stressful. It's challenging. It's a venture into the unknown. And you have to learn how to deal with that. And the faster you learn how to deal with it on both sides of your relationship, I think the better off you are, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I think another thing too is, and what I'm just going to throw this in there. It's a little bonus segment is don't try to drag your, your partner into the business with you just cause right now, Jill and I just managed to do that. Well, or you want to spend more time together? No. That's not the right way to do it. Now, Jill, Jill helped me build the first business that we have. She didn't work for me. She worked with me. And okay. on Sundays, I work for her. And, you know, like that, I'd say a lot, that business, there's no way. Well, once she stepped away from it because I thought we were good. And the, and the people that took over in that spot fucking killed it. And I, I fired him and had to, be, had to go home with my hat in my hand and be like, honey, I need you to come fix this. Mm -hmm. And she did. And she did. Mm -hmm. And they, and it was about her being good at the stuff that I'm not good at and, and, and that understanding of it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I even wrote about that in my book and, and good luck with yours. Uh, I will tell people that the best part about writing a book is finishing it. <laughs> it's, it's I like, heard you say that God, before. Yes. It just feels that. like it goes on forever. You get to some point where you're just like, I don't know how to explain it. It's almost like, having a growth removed from your body or something you're like oh my god i'm so relieved this is done because our pop, pop the really point, satisfying get, it, it yeah something man just something and i know that sounds gross but it's true it's I love true Dr. you're like Popper, god so just that. been there forever and now it's gone Ugh. and then I... guess what and then you realize you got then you got to figure out how to market it sell it talk about it print it carry it store it you know, and, and nothing's weirder like than a, the, yeah. A weekend in the woods, a cabin in the woods or something. And just because focus work is a real thing. Um, people like Mark Twain and other authors have just removed themselves from society for a little bit to finish projects. So I think that might be in order I, I wrote my I wrote all my books from 10 p.m. at night to 4 a.m. in the morning. Why? Quiet. It's quiet. You're not getting There's emails. That. Your phone isn't ringing. There's not a whole lot going on. And then it's weird because the world itself just has this like sense of calm around you. And that was like the only way I could get it done. And uh, I tried. I tried to do it other ways. I think the other the other advice is when you are inspired to do that, 
tell everything else to get out of the way. Yeah. Which is tough, which is tough for a lot of people. That's, That's tough. I See, I, I'm able to, to I'm able to do that. I'm able mm-hmm. to do that because I can, I can do that. But yeah, people have asked me like, when are you going to write your next book? I'm like, maybe never. <laughs> Just because. So do it when you well, feel inspired. Thank you. Thank you once again for taking the time to catch up with us. And we will, we will hold you accountable for books, inventions, uh, online workshops. Man, you committed to a lot of stuff. So you better get your shit together. I'm not going to hold you back from that any longer. So I guess I'll just catch up with you next time. It's good to, good to be back on again. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.